from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to the show. It's the 9 p.m. hour. I am Jake Scorheim, your host. I hope you guys are having a wonderful night. We're having a blast here. We've had so many great stories tonight. If you don't have a chance to listen to every single minute of the show, which is very concerning to me because I feel like you're missing out on a ton of stuff. But if you're listening right now, what I would encourage you to do is to go and download the podcast right now. I mean, not now. Wait till after the show. Download the podcast. Look up Kyra Nights with Jake Scorheim. Then you don't have to miss a minute. You can be on your treadmill tomorrow, getting your steps in. You could be on a bike. All the things I'm imagining is just you being super active, just crushing it, climbing hills, running races, other athletic things, listening to the show, and having a blast. You're getting informed. You're getting entertained. That's what we do here for you on the show, on Kyra Nights with Jake Scorheim. That's what my job is all about. All I'm trying to do is just help you have a good time. It doesn't cost you a cent. I'm not asking you to send me anything. Just download the podcast. That would be great. Or listen as you're doing right now. Why don't we get things started? On Thursdays, what we like to talk about in the last hour of the show, because it's starting to get to, you know, it's a fun time. It's a sexy time. I want to talk about ballot initiatives. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All right, so this one is a, kind of a no-brainer, and this is on MyNorthwest.com. You guys can go read this there. I think this is a great idea. And I haven't like heard a lot of opposition to this because I think it's just kind of common sense. There's a new initiative to allow parents access to student records. That sounds great. I think parents should have access to students' records. This initiative, uh, let's see, Washington State Secretary of State Steve Hobbs, you can read all about this on MyNorthwest.com. Washington Secretary of State Steve Hobbs confirmed in a news release Thursday that it has certified Initiative 2081, uh, or as it's known, I-2081. The initiative would allow parents and guardians of public school children to review instructional materials and inspect student records, including health and disciplinary records upon request. What's the problem with that? I don't. Why would anybody not be okay with that? Don't you want to know what your kids are learning? Brian Haywood, he's the founder of Let's Go Washington. He talked about this in a statement today. He said, parents are the primary stakeholder in raising children, and the government should not insert itself into that relationship unless there is abuse. This is Brian Haywood talking. He's from founder of Let's Go Washington. He said in a statement Thursday, I don't care who you are, what you believe, you have the right to know what they're teaching your kids and the curriculum your child is receiving. This initiative is nothing anyone would have believed was controversial even a few years ago. I'm surprised it's controversial now. I love our public schools. I love them. My kids go to public school. They do a fantastic job, and I love our teachers. I'm not going to say the name of the school or the name of the teachers because I don't want to embarrass them, but I think they're doing a great job. So thank you so much for the work you're doing, but also as a parent, I'm super thankful being able to check in and see what my kids are up to. And I want to and I and I don't feel like that's something that parents should have to even feel bad about asking. I want to know what my kids are being taught in school. I hope it's reading and writing and and math and all the different things that you're supposed to be learning in school. And I hope that uh, you know, they're doing a good job. And so I like to check in on these things. That's a that's a parent's right. We care about our kids. That's all that matters. I just want the best for my kid. That's what I care about. And so an initiative like this, I think is a great idea. I, and if, you have, if you're against this, I'd love to know your opinion why. I'd be interested in hearing the other side too because I like to hear both sides of arguments. I really, really do. Honestly, that's what shapes my perspective in the world. So if you're against this initiative that would allow parents and guardians to review instructional materials that your kids are going to get throughout the school year, if you are against parents being able to inspect their student records, 
health and disciplinary records, stuff that's happening to your kids when they're not under your care and they're away from you at school. If you're against that, please let me know why. 888-973-5476. That's the text line. Hit me up there and let me know. I'm interested. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. This is a bad idea, but I would like to know why you think it's a bad idea because I think this is a great idea. All right. Another thing. Next, we're going to talk with uh, Kate Stone. Next. Do you guys remember that Alaska air flight that had to make an emergency landing? This is terrifying to me. Uh, there, uh, this was a you know a few weeks ago we were talking about this. And if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the story, you just haven't seen the news at all sometime in the last month. Because everyone was watching these videos. There was an Alaska Airlines flight that took off in Oregon on its way for California. A couple minutes into the flight, the plane is still climbing. They thankfully didn't get too high in altitude, but they got to about 16,000 feet. And all of a sudden, boom, this plug, which was covering what uh, sometimes is an emergency exit door, but in this case was just being plugged up because this wasn't being used as an emergency exit at this uh, in this configuration of the plane. The plug just flies off. And about this, then, then there's just this gaping hole in the side of this brand new Boeing airliner that had just been delivered, I guess, in October to this to Alaska Air. And it's about the size of a refrigerator, just open. And you're looking, you're watching these viral videos of these people who posted these videos on the flight. And you're looking out into midair. You're seeing stars. And you're just going like, what is going on here? I cannot even imagine the PTSD that I would have after flying on a flight like that. And apparently, what we're now starting to see is some of the lawsuits that are now being filed, and not just against Boeing, also uh, also against Alaska, and some of the stuff that Kate has on this. So she talked to some of the people who are on the flight. She talked to the lawyers who are looking into Alaska and Boeing, and some of the stuff they should have done, and maybe some some of the stuff they're alleging that they did not do when certain uh, um, warning lights and things like that popped up, according to the lawyers of these people who are who are having these lawsuits against Alaska and Boeing will not give you great comfort if you have future flights planned. So you're not going to want to miss that interview. That's going to be next with uh, with uh, Kate Stone. So don't miss that one. Also, um, I talked earlier to James Lynch. He's a great reporter here at Cairo Radio. He had this crazy story about these firefighters in Tacoma. They go into a store, and when they come out, their fire truck has been robbed. You know, you see those occasionally. You see a bunch of firefighters. I'm just assuming they're coming back from a call or whatever it is, but they're coming back from a call, and then you see them park at the edge of a parking lot of a busy, uh, you know, Safeway or Fred Meyer or what have you, and you know, your eye catches the fire truck, obviously, and you see these firefighters inside. I always thank them, like whenever I see them, I'm like, hey, you guys are doing a great job because they have a really hard job. They really do. Firefighters have a really tough job. I have some friends who are firefighters, at, you know, in Seattle, and they're busy with a lot of stuff and they're not just putting out fires. They're dealing with drug calls and all these things. It is a tough job. So when these firefighters come out, this is in Tacoma that this happened. When these firefighters in Tacoma come out to their truck, apparently they have been robbed by these thieves that were kind of scouting out for them, watching out for them because they brought, they prepped by bringing a U-Haul truck. James talked to the firefighters and they said, Hey, why don't you have these stuff? Cause they stole a bunch of like, um, I think they stole some, uh, um, just firefighting equipment and like chainsaws and things like that. The things that firefighters use to help save lives were taken from this truck. They're not going to have to be replaced, obviously taxpayer expense. And I'm fine with that. We need all those things, but 
we have to figure out how to keep these things from being stolen. It also says something about kind of the sad state that we're in, that firefighters can't even go into a store without having to be worried about being stolen from. This is not the first time this has happened. Recently in Ballard, some firefighters, similar situation. They go into a store, they come out, their fire truck has been robbed. So this is a bad deal. I hope this is not a trend. I hope this doesn't continue happening. They're investigating it right now, though, in Tacoma, and hopefully... What will happen is that they're going to have some cameras either from the store or, you know, other cameras in the area that might have caught maybe a license plate. If they had a U-Haul, there's a license plate on that U-Haul. I've rented U-Hauls before. I know how it works. You have to give your license. You have to give, uh, you know, insurance, things like that. So hopefully they've got some information on whoever checked that truck out or rented the the U-Haul. And I don't know, maybe that leads leads them uh, to these guys who are stealing from firefighters. Don't steal from firefighters. We need them. And we need them to be able to respond quickly. This was interesting, though. James asked them, because I asked James, I said, why don't they keep this stuff locked up? Like, I, I don't leave my car open when I go into a store. And James said, well, he asked him that. And the reason they don't keep it uh, unlocked, or the reason they don't keep it locked is because when you're fighting fires, in that business, it comes down to seconds. And firefighters have to have quick access. It's not like they could be fumbling for keys when they're trying to get something like, you know, they're trying to get access to the jaws of life to get somebody out of a car or trying to get somebody out of a burning building. They need their their equipment right away. So that's why they don't keep them locked up. So in the future, James said that they're basically going to have to start going into a situation where if all the firefighters are there and they're going into the store, they'll just leave two guys in the truck who will just kind of be the lookouts and make sure the truck doesn't get robbed. I hope this doesn't keep happening. And God bless firefighters. All right. There's a lot of stuff going on in the NFL. I don't know much about sports. I just found this one fascinating. So let's do a little quick, a very fast score time with Scoreheim. Score time with Scoreheim. All right, we mentioned uh, earlier, we were talking about Bill Belichick. Or not earlier, a couple of days ago, we were talking about Bill Belichick was fired or let go or parted ways, whatever you want to say. Um, from the New England Patriots. Now, he is the second winningest coach of all time, and he was with the Patriots for a long time. I think six Super Bowls with them. Just phenomenal record with the Patriots. But this last season for him wasn't so great. He went 4-13 and with that team, even though he's had all this amazing success. And you cannot argue how good of a coach Bill Belichick was. However, a lot of people have said... Bill Belichick's success is due in large part to he had a pretty good quarterback for a big run of his success at the Patriots, Tom Brady. So, yes, Tom Brady was fantastic. Bill Belichick is a great coach. The two of them together, magic for New England. But they didn't have that this last season. He went 4-13. and And now Bill Belichick at 71 is out of a job. And you might think at 71, you've had this amazing success. Obviously, he's not hurting for money. What's he going to do next year? I don't know. Probably go play golf, enjoy the Caribbean, whatever these guys do. But apparently he's interviewing for coaching jobs in the NFL. And he just interviewed for the second time with the Atlanta Falcons, who need a new coach. A bunch of other guys have been interviewing for this job as well. Jim Harbaugh included in that. Jim Harbaugh, who uh, just won a national championship with the Wolverines with the uh, uh, for Michigan. And you know, maybe he's conquered that mountain now and now he wants to get back in the NFL. I was talking to my buddy Mike Lefko over at 710 Seattle Sports about this and Mike was telling me that Belichick is kind of the favorite right now. And the reason they think so is because of all these other coaches that have interviewed and a bunch of folks have. Belichick is the only guy who's interviewed twice 
And so you have a guy, again, who's going to be 72 years old at the start of next season, which would make him the oldest coach in the NFL. 72 years old, start of next season. Belichick might be coaching the Atlanta Falcons. So if you are an NFL follower and you're interested in the NFL and you're following the Bill Belichick story as it develops, I hope you've learned something new here. And it'll be interesting to see. I can also understand you have this amazing success. You're the second winningest coach of all time. And then you have a season that you go 4-13. and 13. You don't want to end on such a horrible, dismal season like that. Yuck. So I can understand why Bill Belichick might say, hey, you know what? I want to... I want to try it one more time with a different team and let's see if we can get a better record. So, uh, yeah, he might go to the Falcons, which would be very interesting. All right, let's get into really fast here. Let's get into some politics. President of the United States. You guys all know who Joe Biden is, I hope. He was in North Carolina speaking earlier today, and he was talking about a lot of things. He was talking about Bidenomics and just kind of, it was kind of a rah, rah, rah speech as they, you know, are really leaning into now the 2024 election season. And again, if you guys listen to the show regularly, you know, I am not super interested in politics. I find all politicians to be kind of sleazy. And the thing I like to do with politicians is just to laugh at all of them because I used to think politics was something that was kind of a respectable profession. I have since grown up and I now know that most politicians, especially on the national level, not less, I actually less so I found on the local level because they're actually doing the work on the national level. It's just a lot of speeches and it's a lot of like camera time. And I don't know, there's just so much ego in it that I just think it's kind of crazy. It seems it's silly season in politics, especially in an election year. This year is going to be very silly. So we're going to be doing a lot of laughing, which is really good. I like to laugh at politicians on both sides, Democrats, Republicans. You're all ridiculous, most of you at least. And so I like to laugh at them. Biden was speaking in North Carolina. He was speaking about Bidenomics. If you don't remember what Bidenomics is... Here's a little refresher. Bidenomics is just another way of saying the American dream. Come on, folks. American dream, folks. No joke. Biden was talking about how great things are getting. Wages are up. Household wealth is up. Not only for middle class Americans, for Latinos, for black Americans, for minorities. I was under the impression that Latinos and black Americans and minorities could also be middle class. Biden was also saying that mortgage rates are down. Well, that's great, right? Costs are still too high, but inflation continues to fall and mortgage rates are falling. They're going to fall more. So to be fair, when he talks about mortgage rates falling, when Biden took office, the mortgage rate was 2.7. Now, historically, that's very, very low. Currently, the mortgage rate is hovering right around 7%. So since he's taken office, the mortgage rate has skyrocketed for whatever reason. Could be pandemic, could be whatever, could be regulation, could be all these different things. We don't know what it is exactly. He also, this was a like not a particularly great moment for him. He was looking around for a congresswoman who he had just taken a photo with. The problem was, apparently she wasn't even there. So this photo op he just talked about didn't happen. She also wanted to mention Congressman Deborah Ross. Where's Deborah? I just had my picture taken with her. That's probably why she left. <laughs> no, all kidding to stop. Anyway, you, you can, oh, she couldn't be here, actually. That's not true. I got it mixed up. And she has, you know, she fights very hard for the people of this district, and she's up in Washington right now. So not remembering that somebody was not there is not a great sign. 
And Biden, he's over 80. Trump, on the other side, is going to be, he's late 70s. I think Trump is 77 right now, or he's about to turn, 77, he's about to turn 78. Is that right? He's not young. These are not young guys, folks. Wouldn't it be nice to see some younger people in the White House? There is a clip we played. I have to bring this back by popular demand because we got a lot of response. People really thought this was quite funny. Think what you will about our politicians, but they are getting very old. Somebody online made a pretty hilarious parody uh, called White House Senior Living, and it is done in the style of an ad for like a you know, a senior care facility that you might find in anywhere in the country. And only this one happens to be at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. At White House Senior Living, our residents feel right at home. Our vibrant facility offers delightful activities and outings, round-the-clock professional care, and exquisite house-made meals. Oh, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me. But I've been eating all, all Italian foods, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream. Chocolate chip ice cream. White House Senior Living, where residents feel like presidents. <laughs> oh, it's so good to laugh again. It is so good to laugh again. Uh, very funny clip. All right, we have a lot more coming up on the show. Kate Stone is going to join us next. She's got a great story, very interesting story, about lawsuits that are now coming out. They're suing Alaska Air. They're suing Boeing about that flight that started falling apart in midair. And I can totally understand why people would feel a little PTSD from that experience. And it might just change the way that they feel about travel in the future. And this story, it might change the way that you feel about travel coming up in the future. If you have any flight plans coming up, you're going to want to listen to this story. It's very interesting. we got a lot more coming up on the show. We're going to have that next when we come back here on Kyra Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have a very special guest with us, Cairo News reporter Kate Stone joins us. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jake. All right. Let's talk about this Alaska Airlines, this flight. We have an update. If if anybody doesn't remember, they just didn't see the news or they're under a rock in the past, sometime in the past month. Alaska Airlines was flying a flight from, where did they take off from? Portland. From Portland. To Ontario, California. To, on its way to Ontario, California yes. at 16,000 feet. Yep. A plug, which was covering a door, an emergency exit door, fell off in midair. Yep. And then we have viral videos that the entire world has seen yes. a million times. Yes. Everybody was fine. Mm-hmm. Thank God. There was nobody sitting in that aisle a shirt it's, was a shirt was ripped off the kid in front of the aisle. The NTSB says it was pretty incredible that no one was hurt. Unbelievable. So it, that they so Alaska successfully lands the plane. They did. Although everybody's kind of traumatized, I would imagine, Indeed. because you've now flown on a plane that kind of started ripping apart Correct. in midair. And now we're starting to see some lawsuits. Yes. So there have been Lawsuits filed against Boeing, which is not exactly a surprise because Boeing's CEO has come out and admitted that they made a mistake and that they are going to be fully transparent with the investigation. However, today's update is that one of the lawsuits, which is from a Seattle-based firm that is representing 17 of the passengers so far, is now adding Alaska Airlines to that lawsuit. 
And this firm is actually called Strit Matter, Kessler, Kohler, Moore. And so their attorney, Dan Lawrence, said, initially, we held our fire on Alaska Airlines because there appears to be no direct evidence that it actually handled the door panel that flew off of the flight. However, there's been some new information that has come to light in the past week or so that has sort of changed a little bit of their perspective. Our passengers and most people talking about this case that I've talked to are extremely concerned about is the fact that Alaska even allowed this aircraft to fly in the first place. Apparently, uh, as we all, most of us now know, the uh, auto pressure system gave a warning light. It is, as the NTSB has explained, a triple redundant system. So it turns out that the NTSB has found or confirmed that the plane in question actually triggered pressure warning lights multiple times in the days before the blowout. As oh, really? We call it. Yes. And now the NTSB chair did stress that that could be totally unrelated. But according to this lawsuit, that's pretty small comfort because according to Lawrence and his clients, you know, it, it can't be said necessarily if those alerts may have had something to do with what eventually happened a couple of days later. And the passengers, actually, we got, we got to hear from a couple of them today. Susanna Anderson was one of those who was on that flight, and she said it was an extremely traumatizing experience, naturally. You know the look um, when you're not going to make it or a person is not going to make it. She was watching the flight attendants struggling to close this cockpit door, and she's worked in healthcare and in emergency rooms, and she said she could just feel, you know, that this was not going to end well. Garrett Cunningham was actually, she was in the front, but Garrett Cunningham was actually close enough to see the gaping hole in this plane. My brain couldn't compute what I was looking at. It just, it just did not make any sense, the fact that part of the plane was gone. Quickly after that, um, the oxygen masks had dropped, so I've got that to my to my face. I don't really feel the oxygen coming in. So that's another thing that we've learned is that apparently, according to this complaint, some passengers said that the oxygen masks were not working, which was a problem because the plane completely depressurized and sucked most of the oxygen out of the plane, which caused some people to feel like they were going to pass out. Luckily, again, no serious injuries from this, but... Uh, the emotional trauma, Susanna says, is something that she will not get over very soon. My husband and a few other people I could not get through to. And I uh, know that that was one of my um, biggest thoughts was the grief that I wouldn't get to say goodbye. She got kind of emotional as she talked about sending a text to her son saying he was the best thing that's ever happened in her life. And oh she said gosh. he did respond, but it just it kind of generates. And I hate saying this, that the memories of the people on the planes with, you know, 9-11 and that kind of stuff. And just thinking in that moment that, you know, you are not going to make it. Yeah, when you're thinking this could be it. Right, exactly. And if that, if that situation was avoidable, exactly, then they, it seems to me they have a pretty good case. So that's the new development is essentially they are saying that Alaska Airlines, this complaint is saying that Alaska Airlines was aware of potential issues with the Boeing MAX 9s, especially given that Boeing has had its own share of troubles, especially with MAX planes in the past couple of years. There's been a couple of deadly crashes, not in the U.S., but hundreds of people have died on the Max 8s. This is a Max 9, so it's one generation later. But now this one, they've been finding loose bolts uh, after inspecting the United and Alaska planes after this incident. Alaska Airlines just announced today they're going to continue grounding their planes. 
until at least through Saturday. And they will only put them back into service when they are confident that you know, things are going to go okay. The CEO of Alaska said they're putting their own quality inspectors into the Boeing factory to ensure that, you know, something like this will not happen again. But the 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 attorneys behind this lawsuit are essentially saying that that's not enough because what they said and what the passenger said is when they got on the ground, no one was there to greet them. And Susanna said- what? Susanna said that she had no idea what was going on, so she went to uh, the customer or the desk to talk to an agent, and they looked confused and pointed her at a customer service location. And immediately, like a line formed of 150 people who were on that flight. Yeah, and she said that yeah, nobody came to meet the plane. Passengers deplaned, and they just they looked at the hole that was in the plane and. There wasn't really a lot of response from the airline. This is what they're claiming. So their allegations just feels like Alaska was completely unprepared for this, obviously. Nobody's prepared for this. But they did not do anything, it seems. But they say, yeah, in the days following, Alaska Airlines has offered them fifteen hundred dollars in counseling sessions as compensation compensation for their experience. Uh, but I mean, wow. the NTSB chair has come out and said, if this were ten minutes later into the flight or a few thousand feet higher, I mean, people could have gotten sucked out of the aircraft. They would have taken their seatbelts off. Like at cruising altitude, it's hard to say what depressurizing a cabin would do. And so, essentially, what the attorneys are saying, what the passengers are saying, is fifteen hundred dollars. That's how much you value my life. And they're saying it's not enough. Also, also, you know. They were, I mean, in many ways, they're very unlucky, but they're extremely lucky for many reasons. Oh, very much so. The plane was able to land. Two, like you just mentioned, that they weren't at such a high altitude. If they had been any higher, not to mention just the air getting sucked out, just from the the greater intensity of pressure, but also the temperature could have gone down to like just nothing very, very quickly. People have frozen to death when planes depressurize at at a really high altitude. There's like famous stories about planes. Deep, they call them ghost planes. Right. And they continue flying because everybody on the plane has frozen to death right. or suffocated. Mm-hmm. It is a very scary situation. Very scary. So for these folks, I completely, I would be, I, if I was a passenger on this plane, right. I'd be jumping right over to this law firm. And to be clear, uh, they were very, very grateful to the crew who managed well, yeah, to get them down yeah. on the ground safely. And the crew is not Alaska exactly. bosses, and they're of not the people not. who are responsible for building the planes. They're doing the best that they can with the equipment, Right, and they and did a good job. This suit is seeking undisclosed damages. However, according to Garrett Cunningham, he says it's not about money. He says, my whole thing is Alaska, Boeing, whomever, need to understand how important this was. It's only by the grace of God I'm still here because 10 minutes later, I wouldn't be here. So knowing that they were aware that something was going on, that awareness needs to be out there. He says they need to be held accountable if it is, in fact, something that they knew might have been a problem and chose not to do anything about. And the biggest piece of evidence that they have for that is that Alaska, after those warning lights were triggered, chose not to fly the plane over the ocean in case something happened and they needed to get it to an airport. That does not make me feel super confident. Alaska Airlines refused to comment because they said they don't comment on pending litigation. So no answers there. doesn't make me feel great about my future flights. Uh, well, Kate Stone, keep us up to date. This yeah, is an incredible we'll story. Yeah, it is. It is incredible that 
everyone is still able to talk about it. Yeah, no kidding. Oh my yeah. gosh, this is so interesting. Yeah. All right, well, that's Kate Stone, Kyra News Radio reporter, and we will be right back here on Kyra Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have a really fun topic that I want to discuss with you guys. And it's not, you know, it's just kind of a silly topic. But I found it very fascinating because I love Star Wars. I love those movies. My kids love those movies. They're obsessed with them. I think they're super, super fun. Do you guys know who the original... Princess Leia was supposed to be, which actress was almost cast to play Princess Leia. Now, we all know Princess Leia as the iconic Carrie Fisher, who did a phenomenal job as Princess Leia, but she was not the original actress that they went after. In fact, they offered the part to somebody else who was very hot in the 1970s and was a young actress and turned the role down. Do you guys know who it was? Do you want to take a quick guess in your head before I tell you? All right, the answer Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster was offered the role. She was on Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show last night, and she talked about turning down the role. I saw this on the internet just resurface somehow that said that you were offered the role of Princess Leia in <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. Is that I true? was, yeah. And they were going for younger, you know, Princess Leia, but I had um, a conflict. I was doing a Disney movie, and um, I just didn't want to pull out of the Disney movie because I had already, I was already under contract, so yeah. I didn't do it. And, you know, they did an amazing job. I don't know how good I would have been I know I might have had different hair, you know. Yeah, you probably would have had, yeah, yeah, was that? I might have gone with a pineapple. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe go with a pineapple. She's promoting her new series called True Detective Night Country, which looks really great. I'm very excited to see that. I love the True Detective series. She plays a detective in it, which we already know she's very, very good at. Oh, agents, darling, you think you can dissect me with this blunt little tool? No. I, I thought that your knowledge... You're so ambitious, aren't you? Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube. A well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia... Is your father to you? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the land? While you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the end of the pie. You see a lot, Doctor? But are you strong enough to point that high-powered perception at yourself? What about it? Why don't you, why don't you look at yourself and write down what you see? That clip, of course, was Sir Anthony Hopkins and uh, uh, Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. Very spooky movie. Very good, obviously. Won a ton of awards. But back to Star Wars. Just imagining her in Star Wars. I think Carrie Fisher's fantastic, so they made the right choice there. I think it would have had a different feel if Jodie Foster did it, but who knows. What I love about Star Wars, so, 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 so much. I think there's just a lot of great things about it, but... The music. The music is really what sells that movie to me. I actually recommend, highly recommend this podcast. It's called Blockbuster. If you guys get a chance, you're just looking for something good to listen to after you've listened to every episode of Kyra Knights with Jake Scorheim, which you can get on every uh, every podcast platform, by the way. You should go find it, Kyra Knights with Jake Scorheim. Once you're done listening to all 103 episodes that we have now, listen to a, a podcast called Blockbuster. It's really fascinating because they delve into 
in season one, there's two seasons, I believe, but in season one, they kind of delve into these giant world creating uh, writers, directors. They talk about Steven Spielberg. They talk about George Lucas and a big part of the success of Star Wars, because it's a big focus in season one of Star Wars, is John Williams and his main theme title to Star Wars, which is the, the Star Wars main theme song. Of course, everybody knows the second they hear it, you could probably play this anywhere in the world, and I think people would probably pick it up. So John Williams actually said, um, he, he was talking recently about this. I, I watched this interview with him, and he was talking about how this was the last thing he wrote when he was writing all of the music for Star Wars. I mean, he wrote the score, and it's amazing. And he couldn't figure out how to write a song that sounded heroic. And so he ended up coming up with this, and he used a device where, like, the trumpets jump five octaves or something. I mean, I'm not a musician, so I'm butchering his story. But he said that was a heroic leap in music, and it sounded heroic. And so, you know, it's it's a beautiful soundtrack. The other thing that's so interesting about this to me is George Lucas, in this Blockbuster podcast that I'm recommending for you, talked about why Star Wars was so successful. And they detail how when Star Wars was, when they were watching the, you know, the, the dailies and the playbacks of it, when they were watching the original cut of the film without the music, it was okay, but it wasn't like the Star Wars that we know and love today. It was only once John Williams' music came in and kind of was the final piece of the puzzle that fell together that turned it into this like instant classic. So I'm really fascinated and stuff like that. If you're interested, again, the uh, podcast is called Blockbuster. Check it out. That's it for our show, guys. I hope you guys have had a wonderful night. We've had a ton of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. We have enjoyed giving it to you, our wonderful gift that we're giving you every night. But seriously, we've enjoyed doing it. I hope you've enjoyed listening. We have a great show lined up for tomorrow night. It's Friday night show. It's always a lot of fun. So tune in for that. But for tonight, night-night. Night-night.